Hi, girls. This is Brittany Laurie, and I'm going to be sharing our last message in our Timeless series. This week, we are studying and learning all about the Bible. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less I feel like I know. It's funny because when you're young, you kind of feel like you have it all figured out, right? If you have any teenagers in your life, you know what I mean. But the older you get and the more you travel through life and you're just confronted with different circumstances, trying situations, um, difficult relationships, the more you recognize that you need a knowledge that is greater than your own. So with age comes wisdom, but with that wisdom comes a humility and just realizing you really don't have it all figured out. I lead a small group of young adults at my house on Monday nights, and I recently told them just how much more I appreciate the guidance, the wisdom, the knowledge that we find in the Bible. It is really our handbook for life where we can just gain practical wisdom and common sense that we can apply to our everyday lives and relationships. And it's not just that, right? It's our way to know God and learn about Him. In this book, this is where we find the way to eternal life and salvation. It is truly the most precious gift the Lord has given us, and it is the primary way that He communicates with us. It's where we find out our will for our life, the will that God has for us. So the question is, is are we reading it and are we listening? So we're going to start with some facts about the Bible. So this is just a quick 15, 20-minute podcast, so we're not going to be doing a deep dive, but we will learn a little bit more about these things in our lesson this week. And then there are also so many resources out there that you can dig into if you desire to know more and learn more. But for now, we'll just stick with a few little facts. So the Bible is a series of 66 books. The Bible was written by approximately 40 different authors over the span of about 1,500 years. So the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That means that God divinely inspired and influenced these authors, these human authors, The word inspiration means God breathed. So in 2 Timothy 2.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Because of this, we know that the Bible, God's word, is without error and is unchangeable. So you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but how can we trust the Bible and know that it is reliable and true. So although the Bible is not a history book, we find that history supports and lines up with everything we find in Scripture. At one point in time, there was no record of anyone named Pontius Pilate, the official who presided over the the crucifixion trial of Jesus. This left people questioning whether or not this man even existed. But in 1961, a limestone was discovered at an archaeological site with a first-century Roman inscription mentioning the name of Pontius Pilate, confirming what was written and recorded in the Bible. Also, from 1947 to 1956, what is considered to be the most significant archaeological find of the 20th century 
was the thousands of Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in the caves near Qumran. They discovered every book of the New Testament Bible, with maybe the exception of Esther. This finding is also considered to be one of the most compelling examples of Jesus' existence, both historically and theologically. Beyond that, many prophecies that we read about in the Bible have come true, one being the reestablishment of Israel becoming a nation in 1948, the regathering of God's people. We read in Ezekiel 37 and 38 the foreshadowing and foretelling of these things to come. And there is so much more. So all that we find in modern history and science, it all aligns and points us back to what has been written and recorded in the Bible. So remember, the Bible is not a history book or a scientific book, but time and time again, it has been proven to be reliable and true. And we know there are people who have literally dedicated their life and time to disproving and discrediting the Bible. So I'm sure if they found something, anything at all significant, we would have heard about it. In fact, we know our good friend Lee Strobel did just that. He was set out to disprove and discredit God, and it had the exact opposite effect. So he became a believer and now devotes his time to spreading the gospel. So this is just a few examples we can quickly look over to make a case for the Bible being reliable and true. Again, this is a very interesting and very important topic, so I do strongly suggest doing a little bit of research on your own and digging into this a little deeper on your own. So we can trust the Bible, and we believe that it is God's Word. We can settle in our hearts that this is God's living Word. But we are not only to trust and believe in the Bible, we are to obey. We are to obey its commands and what it tells us to do. So the question is, does God's Word have authority in your life? It's not enough to say, okay, yeah, I believe this is God's Word. I read the Bible every day. Heck, I even memorize some verses. It must have the authority to change our thoughts, minds, and actions, the way that we think and behave. There's really only two ways that we can approach the Scripture— We can position ourselves to receive and be changed, or we can approach it with a sort of arrogance and a kind of, I know better attitude, or if God knew my situation, he certainly wouldn't be telling me to do that, or the world is just so different from when the Bible was written. I think the rules have changed a little bit. So you can have that attitude and ignore what you're reading and stay the same. The haughty position is coming to the scriptures thinking, I have authority over the scriptures. I will determine what is right and wrong. I will admit what I don't like. I'll take the things I do like and maybe just ignore the rest that I don't get or care to understand. But we need a humble posture. This word is true. This word is good. And as Pastor Greg has told us many times, 
if there's something that we don't agree with, we need to change our opinion. My friend, one of my good friends, her husband is a pastor, and one Sunday morning he was giving a message, and and just on some basic biblical truths, I'll say that. So there was a couple um, in their congregation, and mid-message, they get up and walk out of the sanctuary. So it was kind of obvious that this happened. So the pastor and my friend, they followed up with this couple, and they, they sat down with them and had lunch with them and asked them, like, hey, what's going on? Like, like why did you get up and leave mid-message? And they explained, well, we just feel like what you were saying we just don't agree with it. We just don't agree with your opinion on that. And my friend's husband said, well, it's not my opinion. It's what's in the Bible. It's what God says. And they said, well, the culture has just changed so much. We feel like the scripture, like the Bible should be changing with the culture. Friends, the culture does not change the Bible, nor should it. The Bible is either completely true or it is false. There is no in-between there. We learned about the character of God in our first lesson of this series, and we learned that God is immutable, which means unchanging. In Isaiah 48, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. In 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord remains forever, and that word is the good news that was preached to you. We learn about God's character in Psalms 102.25-27. Long ago you laid the foundations of the earth, and you made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them, but you are always the same. You live forever. So people change. This world changes. Our culture shifts, but God and His Word does not. This should bring you great comfort, not frustration. I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't want a God that said, Oh, yeah, you guys are right. I was wrong on that. Let's change that up. Oh, whoops, I did make a mistake there. Thanks for catching that. We'll fix that right away. No, thank God that he is perfect. He doesn't change like the shifting shadows. All of his laws are for our benefit and protection. His wisdom and guidance will always lead us to a healthy and productive life. There was a time that I did live by my own set of guidelines and rules, and I just ignored everything that I had been taught in Scripture and just being raised in a Christian home. And I can tell you in a test that it did not lead me to great places. I made a huge mess of my life, and I just remember sitting there in the midst of all of these consequences I had brought upon myself and all of this heartache and pain and just thinking, this is why God says not to do it this way. I learned lessons the very hard way. And after 15 years of consistently walking with the Lord, not perfectly, I might add, but as best as I can, faithfully making steps on my journey in my faith, I can sit back and smile and say, oh, this is why God tells us to do it this way. 
His ways are better. They are greater than anything we can dream up. But to know his ways, we need to know his word. So let's talk about reading and studying the Bible. So how do you study the Bible? So when it comes to God and us, we should be the students and God is the teacher, right? So how do we become students? We study God's word. We read it. So there are so many different ways to study the Bible, but I'm going to highlight one particular method we recently learned about on our Virtue Spring Retreat with Anne Graham Lotz. So since then, I've been putting this into practice, and I feel like it has been a very fruitful way for me to kind of slow down and digest the scriptures that I'm reading and to really process them and meditate on them and see what they're saying. So it's called the three-question Bible study. So basically, you're going to take a set of verses, and it could range anywhere from like three verses to 10, 15 at a time. It just depends on your time limit and how much you want to spend. So the first question you're going to ask is, what does God's Word say? And then you simply list the facts. So here you're being literal. You're just making a verse-by-verse list of obvious facts. You're not going to paraphrase. You're not going to get caught up in the details. You're just going to ask yourself questions like, who is speaking? Who is the subject? The second question you're going to ask is, what does God's Word mean? Where are the lessons in these scriptures? So here you're going to be spiritual. You're looking for a lesson, a principle. Um, Is there a promise you should claim, a warning, an example? Um, Is there a command you should be obeying? So number three, you're going to ask yourself, what does God's word mean to me? And you're going to make it personal and listen to God's voice. So Anne describes it as this, to be literal, second, to be spiritual, and thirdly, to make it personal. And lastly, you're going to ask yourself the question, how will I live it out? We have all of Anne's sessions actually um, archived on our Virtue website. So I would recommend going back and listening to those sessions. She's going to go into greater detail on how to do this. And then if you visit her website, um, angramlots.org, she has little printouts, too, that have examples on how to do this and even blank forms that you can kind of put it into practice. So I would suggest trying this method of studying out. It does really help you kind of slow down, digest what you're reading, and be able to think how to apply it to your life. But however we study the Bible, we need to— Yes, the dreaded word, be disciplined. We need to be consistent. We need a plan. We need a place, and we need a time. In one of my other small groups, we were talking about missionaries and how these missionaries were bringing Bibles to these Christians in um, other countries that were maybe running like underground churches, and there wasn't enough Bibles to go around, so they were even like kind of splitting these Bibles up and Each person was taking a little portion of the Bible and how these believers were treasuring it. They would read these passages over and over again, and they were so precious. It was so precious to them just to have one piece of God's Word. 
And that just struck me, and it gave me pause. Girls, don't let our freedom and our abundance here dull the sense of the importance and values of this book. I pray that we can be women that truly treasure this book and see it for what it is. As Eugene Peterson put it, eat this book, for it is for us the bread of life. It's the very thing that we need to exist and flourish. So let God speak to you through it. Let it transform our thoughts and let it change our lives.